0: This morning's reading comes from Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 to 21. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his rejection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so, somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us, then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example. Brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For, as I I have often told you before, and now I tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. This is the word of the Lord.
1: The film, Armadeus, won eight Academy Awards. It's a study of how jealousy destroys people sometimes. It's fiction. It's the story of the competition between Antonio Salieri, a gifted classical musician, and Wolfgang Armadeus Mozart, who continually outshines Salieri. Salieri is a court composer to the 18th century Austrian emperor. Salieri knew from childhood that he was destined to write music and he dreamed of becoming great. Recognizing that music was from God, he bargained with him Lord, make me a great composer. Let me celebrate your glory through music and be celebrated myself. Make me famous throughout the world, dear God. Make me immortal. After I die, let people speak my name forever with love for what I wrote. In return, I will give you my chastity, my industry, my deepest humility, every hour of my life. Well, although Salieri becomes a well-respected musician, he knows nothing of the fame or talent God gives Mozart. In the film, Mozart is depicted as profligate, spending more money than he makes. When in dire financial straits, Mozart's young bride Constanza requests Salieri to help her sell some of her husband's manuscripts. As Salieri reads each manuscript, he plays the notes in his head, astonished by the perfection of each composition. Wildly jealous, he exits the room and sits in his parlour, Contemplating why God allowed Mozart to drink the fame that he has thirsted for all his life. Angered, he pulls the crucifix off the wall and throws it into a blazing fire. He says to God, from now on, we are enemies, you and I. Because you choose for your instrument a boastful, lustful, smutty, infantile boy and give me, for my reward, only the ability to recognise the incarnation. Because you are unjust, unfair, unkind, I will block you, I swear it. I will hinder and harm your creature on earth. As far as I am able, I will ruin your incarnation well what is your greatest ambition in life do you have a burning ambition like Salieri to achieve something to be great to be magnificent my ambition used to be to be a singer God had other plans for me I wonder what your ambitions are. The Apostle Paul gives us a noble ambition to emulate in verse 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Paul's great ambition is to know Christ, both the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and therefore, like Jesus in his resurrection. I wonder, can you relate to all this? Do you want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering? We all want the first part. We all want to know power. Suffering, we're not so sure about that, are we? Remember the context. Paul is writing to a local church whom he loves very much. He has a deep friendship, a loving friendship, with the Philippian church. It was the first church Paul founded in Europe in Acts 16. Paul now writes to them from prison in Rome, where Paul faces the possibility of execution. How can we sanctify our ambitions? How can we have good, godly, healthy ambitions and not be like Salieri, burnt up with bitterness and regret? Well, three things to focus on. To have good ambitions. Focus on the right prize. Focus on the right example. And focus on the right citizenship. Firstly then, focus on the right prize. Verses 12 to 16. So Paul longs to know the power of Christ's resurrection. Who wouldn't? It would be marvellous, wouldn't it, to go through life triumphing over every difficulty, victorious in every battle. And that power is available to us. We have a wonderful gift of prayer. We can take all our needs to God in prayer. And where it is his will... We will triumph. We will be victorious. We will see the power of the resurrection at work in our lives. But what goes with that is participation in his sufferings. Just as Jesus was crucified, so his followers must go through an experience of crucifixion. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. There is an experience of crucifixion. There's an experience of death. For every believer, for every follower of Jesus Christ. It might not be physical death yet, although that will come to all of us in the end. It may not be physical death, but it will be an experience of real suffering But far from making Paul want to give up, this reality inspires Paul to press on towards the prize. Verse 11, there is also the promise of resurrection, which we heard about from Sam. It's a wonderful hope, isn't it? So as we go through the suffering Through the cross, remember that finally we go into the resurrection. We know we have a glorious future to look forward to. A perfect body. Are you struggling with your body? You'll soon have a new one, a perfect one for all eternity. And a sinless personality. Are you battling sin? Are you battling temptation? You will have, we will have, a sinless personality, a sinless character, if we're trusting in Christ. We will be in a new, perfect creation, free from all suffering. It's a wonderful hope, isn't it? It's a wonderful hope to fix our eyes on the new creation, the goal. Verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I don't yet know Christ fully, says Paul. I don't yet fully know the power of the resurrection or the full experience of suffering. But I press on to take hold of the ultimate prize. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. That's very significant. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Paul is not saying, I've arrived. I have everything now. I have heaven now. He's not saying that. He's not like certain prosperity teachers telling us, You can have your best life now. He's not saying that. He is saying you can experience a mixture of resurrection and crucifixion. And through it all, verse 13b, one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. One thing I do, says Paul, this is my priority. Nothing else matters. I forget what is behind I don't dwell on past triumphs. I don't dwell on past mistakes and sins. I forget what is past. And straining towards what is ahead, I press on, verse 14, to win the prize. The imagery here is of the marathon runner keeping going, Pressing on. What is the prize? It is ultimately to be with Jesus and to be like Jesus, to enjoy Him for all eternity. That's a fantastic prize, isn't it? Verse 15. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. Maturity is not everything going perfectly well for you. Maturity is to join in the struggle of following Jesus. I'm afraid the Christian life doesn't get any easier... With maturity, if you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Go on with God. You will discover the struggle. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Verse 16. Don't give up. Keep pressing on towards the prize. Make this the great ambition of your life. Focus on the right prize. Secondly, focus on the right example. Verses 17 to 19. Verse 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes On those who live as we do. The example to follow is not the glamorous orator on the God channel. For whom everything seems to go well. Our example is Paul. And those who are like him. Those who are committed to the fellowship of resurrection and suffering. 4 Verse 18, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Don't follow them. Why would we follow enemies of the cross of Christ? answer because their lives look so attractive there's a church near Bridge End where I come from it has a noble biblical past recently however they've become what's known as a progressive church they're promoting themselves as a progressive church that's what they're calling themselves In other words, they've changed their teaching to suit the culture in which we live. So they've changed their view on sexual ethics to fit in with the culture. They've changed their view on all the areas where the Bible and our culture are in disagreement It seems so attractive just to fit in, to go with the flow. Unfortunately, however, you have made yourself an enemy of the cross of Christ, if you go that way. These enemies of Christ... Verse 19. Ultimately, well, they live for their appetites. Verse 19. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. That's not a model for us to follow. Follow these so-called progressives And your destiny will be destruction on the day of the return of Christ. Instead of hearing, well done, good and faithful servant, you will hear, depart from me. I never knew you. You didn't worship me, Jesus will say. Your God was your stomach. The only thing you gloried in was your shame. You did shameful things. You thought shameful thoughts. You just lived for yourself, for your appetites, for your own pleasure. Your mind was set on earthly things. What a tragedy. You could have lived for Christ You could now be entering into your rest. You could now be winning the prize of heaven. Instead of which, all that awaits you is the reality of hell. Focus on the right prize. Make this your great ambition. Focus on the right example. And thirdly, focus on the right citizenship. Verses 20 and 21, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. Those who lived in Philippi were citizens of Rome, of the Roman Empire. That was worth having. Roman citizenship brought with it great privileges like the right to a fair trial before you were flogged, a right the Apostle Paul made use of on occasion. Roman citizenship was worth having. British citizenship is worth having. My parents have a friend in their church who is stateless, She is an immigrant who, for various reasons, through no fault of her own, has lost her passport and the privileges of citizenship. That's no joke. But despite that suffering, my parents' friend can know, verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. Heaven is our true home. That means we won't always feel comfortable in this life. The values of our society are not always our values as Christians. Our society will pressurise us into living in a way which displeases King Jesus. The TV presenter, Dan Walker, recently faced this kind of pressure... As you probably know, he's been a competitor on Strictly. And when it came to the Halloween show, Dan Walker didn't want to dress up as a ghost or a ghoul because he's always led his family in not celebrating Halloween, but rather they celebrate the light of following Jesus. So Dan Walker asked the producers of Strictly if he could dress up as something else for the Halloween edition. I don't watch it, but apparently Dan Walker and his partner dressed up as lobsters. The point is, Dan Walker withstood the pressure to fit in. He remained true to his Christian principles he remembered what we all have to remember, that our citizenship is in heaven. Heaven is our true home. When you go to a Christian conference like Word Alive, it's a little taste of heaven. You're there together with thousands of other Christians, the norms of the camp, are the norms of the Bible. We fit in perfectly. But then, we have to leave Word Alive or Keswick or wherever you've been. You leave that behind and you come back to the real world in which you're not at home. The value system is not that of King Jesus. Jesus. At that point, we have to remind ourselves our citizenship is in heaven. We will be truly at home then with Jesus. And each of us has to face a choice. Will we live for the values of this current age Or will we live for the values of Jesus and of heaven? I've seen it so many times. People start off well following Jesus. And then, as time goes on, they just get worn down. They get tired of constantly struggling So they fit in with the ways of the world. They focus on citizenship in this world. Why should we live for the values of heaven? Why should we make the effort? Because, verse 20, we eagerly await a saviour from there. The Lord Jesus Christ Jesus Christ is coming back and he will reward all those who've been faithful to him. Look at the reward in verse 21. Jesus, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Is that worth waiting for? It certainly is. A transformed, glorious body in the new creation with King Jesus that will be worth waiting for. So there's your choice. Fit in now. Fit in with the non-Christian world. Fit in with the values of our society or live for the values of heaven? Live for the reward of the new creation. Which do you want? Which will you live for? Focus on the right prize. Focus on the right example. Focus on the right citizenship. We began by thinking about ambition Salieri's ambition, his burning ambition. Our own ambitions. What are your ambitions? Make it your ambition. To follow Christ. There's no more worthy cause. There's no greater triumph. Than to make it to the day of judgment. To make it through all the distractions of this life. And then to hear well done. Good and faithful servant. I want to know Christ. That's Paul's ambition. I press on to take hold of that. Follow my example, says Paul. Make knowing and serving Christ your greatest ambition. You won't regret it. You won't regret it. You'll be so glad at the end of your life, that Jesus has been your priority. You'll be so glad. You'll be so glad on the day of judgment. Will you make this your great ambition? Let's pray together. Father we confess that we have many ambitions some of them are of you and some of them are not we pray Lord for your help to make knowing Christ the great ambition of our lives help us Lord To live for the day of judgment. To live for your reward. To live for your approval. Save us, Lord, from just going the ways of this world. From just fitting in. Help us, Lord, to live for Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.